Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agitator. We're here and we're queer again with Kawasaki. We're talking about the 2022 mega hit of the summer, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. This bitch has made $68.7 million already. That is, um, yeah, and it beat out, what did it beat? It beat an Idris Elba movie called Beast, yep. um, which didn't look like anything to begin with, so that's not really surprising. But it did seem to come out of nowhere and be exactly what people want to watch, which is just something fun that doesn't make you think, that has, uh, well, it does have a message, and it does have, you know, corporations are bad and you know maybe what if the bad guys aren't really the bad guys they're just misinformed but it's also just drag- dragon ball z uh, a generational uh inheritance of like i don't want to say something too broad like negativity but like how he you know he inherited dr Jero's whole thing but he wasn't necessarily a granddad he was a scientist, but he wasn't necessarily a crazy man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And he kind of inherits that reputation and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that dude. Uh, Fun fact: uh, Gero and Hedo uh, both mean vomit in Japanese. <laughs> I've I just watched something about that. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. And apparently we've been all pronouncing it wrong with the Dr. Jero. Oh, yeah, that must be. Yeah, that must be like a yeah, because it's like ghetto or something like that, I think is how you <laughs> say it. Dr. Yeah. Ghetto. It's classic, <laughs> classic Dragon Ball fashion to have something just like completely revealed to the reader or the watcher 20 years later. Like, yeah, hey, this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah, no, and what's funny that you say that is that, you know, I've always called it Super Saiyan. They call it Super Saiyan. My wife, who's Mexican, would watch the Spanish Dragon Ball Z, and it was always Saiyajin. Well, yep. I watched the Japanese version of this movie, and turns out, in Japanese, it is Saiyajin. So Saiyajin, Saiyajin, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, a, in English, we just, we just like, no, it's, you're, you're a Super Saiyan now. It's kind of what we did with people's names when they came over here. It's like some Polish dude with 58 consonants. And they're like, your name is Smith from here yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even in um, like on some of the card games and stuff, when it gets translated, it's SSJ one, mm. two, three. That's that's the Sayajin or Sayajin, mm-hmm. how they would pronounce it in the Spanish dub, which was before, like I said, before the English dub, which I think I mentioned on a podcast before. <clears throat> but that's that's the original translation of Dragon Ball. That's where the SSJ comes from. Let's talk about our histories with this show. Start with Kawasaki. What's your history with Dragon Ball? I'm assuming Z, right? Yes. Yes, Z uh, by way of uh, Cartoon Network. But Mm -hmm. fundamentally, Cartoon Network is where I first saw it. But Shonen Jump is where I became, you know, enthralled in the universe because I'd watched enough of it to love it. But it wasn't consistent enough to fall in line with knowing exactly what was going on in the story. And that was from ages about five to eight. And then five to seven. And then at eight, a homie gave me a Shonen Jump. And from there, I just started collecting Shonen Jumps and was, you know, gripped by anime and manga on a different level from other kids. But 
I was, you know, basically Dragon Ball Z was the nexus of it. And so I was always interested in more Dragon Ball Z, whether, you know, I got fooled by the Dragon Ball AF stuff early on. Like, you know, I was that shit introduced me to the Internet. You know, it was fun because because I was looking for more Dragon Ball Z like stuff. And that brought me to anime and that brought me to Battle Royale at an early age. And that brought me to. You know, everything I ended up knowing about myself and loving now through the internet, like Dragon Ball Z and wanting to know more and find more people in, in a community that would know more is what started all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I never what, loved what, what appealed to you about it? The art style. The art style. Yeah, because it looks it looks fucking sick, right? Their outfits Visually. are cool. Piccolo looks really cool. He's got that kind of Muslim thing going on. Uh, Goku looks like a badass. I've never um, connected the Muslim thing going on to Piccolo until you said it just now. That's genius. He's <laughs> yeah. got that kind of exotic look to him, right? Like, and he's a what is, what is he it? a slug? He's a like a slug they're, person. They're asexual slug people. That's what's up. That's what I'm trying to be. That's what I'm trying to be. <laughs> if you remember uh, Dragon Ball, Piccolo, you know his dad when he's losing the fight, he just he just vomits an egg out. Mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. like that was his like fuck it i'm about to die and then piccolo jr is like the, the piccolo in dragon ball z is actually piccolo jr right right yeah that's um so it's basically the art style uh this movie superhero had some really good combat i'm the, my history with dragon ball z is that i would watch it every day after school when i went to uh this lady who watched us because dad was at work and mom was at school and uh, so she'd watch us and I'd turn on Dragon Ball Z. And my clearest remembrance of the series was because uh, this went on for months. It was the Frieza saga, basically. So like yeah. I would just come home every day and, and wait. And then, you know, you get 20 minutes of Frieza being like me, 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 me. And everybody's like still powering up and it would end. You'd be like, oh, fuck, maybe next time, maybe next time. <laughs> but uh, the action in Superhero is really good it's really well choreographed and shot and uh it's it's better than i remember in dragon ball z 100 yeah yeah and it, it falls in line with um how the recent like how super's been of course they got more camera angles that they're kind of working with with this one doing the 3d animation but mm-hmm. uh you got to check out. I know you texted like, I'm going to catch up with Super before we do this. And you were like, 131 yeah. episodes. What the I know. <laughs> I know. I went, to, I went to Funimation. I was like, oh, I'll just catch up on the backstory before I watch this movie. And then I was like, I will not catch up on the backstory. That will be a project. It's not, my- it's not, it's not worth it, to be honest. I mean, well, that sounds, that sounds oh. damning. I wouldn't say it's not worth it. I'd say it's like, it's so simple. It could be told to you. And then just watch it whenever type deal. That is yeah. true. That is true. I 100% uh, co-sign it. I think Super is great. Um, it does not surpass Z by any means or Dragon Ball. But uh, it, it, it but is GT. great. It surpasses GT. Bro. It surpasses GT. And the, that is the thing about Super. It is amazing to look at. Like, yeah. it's uh, simple as fuck. But it's super cool to look at they have a great fights and super and then that i want to trans- I, I want to shout out the character designs of super real quick i don't think they get enough 
hype. Yeah, that cat guy is fucking tight. That Egyptian cat, like this, the god. Oh yeah, Beer- Beerus. Yeah, Beerus. The um, the uh, the colors too. Their colors don't stop going. Like, it never gets boring. Bro, purple and like that aquamarine are those are my colors. Like that's that's my shit. You color something in purple, and I'm already I'm hooked. South so Beach like, in the cut. That aquamarine is for real. Uh huh. Uh huh. Purple used to be the color of royalty back in Julius Caesar's time. That's why Caesars would wear purple coats because there was such an arcane and esoteric process to actually make purple dye. You had to find this particular kind of bug, a beetle, yep. and mash it up. And it took forever to get enough dye to make a cloak. So if you saw someone in purple, you knew that that was, you know, that's the leader. That's the head honcho, which is funny now. Cause you know, when I think of purple, I think of like grimace or crown Royal bags or, you know, <laughs> but back in, but, back in the, back in the Roman times, that was the symbol of, of royalty. I mean, even if you think about it among cheap liquor, crown Royal is King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Cause you still, I like it, that though. That's what like 30, you're going to spend like 35 for a fifth. Oh, yeah, you, you get your intricately designed bottle. You know, you get your fake gold top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do like I do like how you brought that up. The uh, origination of the, the color purple being used in royalty and so I've always loved that story of how hard it was to acquire the materials necessary to make that color. Yeah, yeah, stuff we take for granted right now because you can just I don't know how they make purple now. I don't actually I don't remember my Sesame Street because I don't remember how they make different color dyes. Oh, Pantone. Pantone printing it's all it's all got so much better like mm-hmm. I'm about to go into a little Gundam spiel now but like I don't know if you know Let's the go. grades of the of Gundams but um master grade Gundam is the most complex and they're usually one one hundredth size which is a little bit bigger than the regular Gundam the high grade which is one one forty fourth but the reason they're bigger is because to get that precise with a lot of it it has to be bigger to make those pieces with the machines but because technology has gotten better over the years recently they um made a type of gundam called the rg the real grade and their master grade model specs but they're the high grade model size so they're a little bit smaller and basically all of this is to say they can make those those plastic parts at um you know a mass generation level but they can make them smaller and more precise now like just like they can generate more precise color on more different fabrics easier now than they used to be able to, even right, compared right. to making clothes 10 years ago. But when you say Pantone, so I don't know what that, so what is, but where does it come, like, where does it come from though, right? Like, where does purple ink come from now? Like, how do they make it in mass? In mass, I wouldn't have a 100% answer for that, but I would assume it's all digital. Yeah, but they're then probably taking the palette off the digital scan and then that going into because like you ever seen how paint is made no like tell like me. died so you've got like a like a gatling gun of different colors right red yellow blue and that shit all mixes in a certain uh percentile like a certain ratio like you know a dozen squirts of blue to one skirt quart of yellow etc yep. like something like it's that mathematic 
Exactly. And oh, then, they mix they mix the primary colors to make the purple. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That's what's going on. Okay, I'm with you. So where do they get red from? Uh, the blood of my enemies is where I would get it from. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but I no, I'm but big, yeah, I'm no. big. I'm big into rap. You know, you know this, Kelby. I'm big into rabbit holes right now. I just like a child would ask why. I'm trying to do that more often because people don't. You know, you walk through life, you don't think about that. You shouldn't be thinking about that if you're trying to pay your bills. Uh, but when you have a little bit of free time, it's interesting to be like, well, why? Wait, why is it like that? You, you know? know what? It, it actually the answer actually makes sense. Uh, color printing inks. This is this is I'm searching on Google, so you know, grain of salt. But um, modern color printing inks are made primarily with linseed oil, soybean oil, or a heavy petroleum distillate. Ooh, uh, seed oils, boo! You don't want to drink that ink. Used to be back in my day, you could drink paint and it was totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they combine it with organic pigments, which I'm assuming is whatever you need to uh, the, your your purple beetle. Yeah, whatever right. Because now they can now they can mass breed those beetles, and there's just a beetle farm somewhere with one guy, one employee who every day he has to wake up and fucking run the steamroller over the. The, the the beetle the beetle farm. that's that's the uh american ideal version of it in reality there's probably about six decrepit slave children digging through the dirt you for days on it absolutely correct <laughs> and i'm so glad you brought that up because this is another thing that we need to start thinking about in like with our phones and shit i've said this a million times but like everybody who has a phone has something that Patriot we need by a fucking slave by a child slave right because the it, it, children over the age of five are already too big to fit into the crevices in order to get the uh the or, the, the necessary ores right uh to make our phones so it's kids who like don't see sunlight and have to come back with all this ore. it's um you know it's all very much like the ursula Le Guin story the ones who walk away from omelas which is about this perfect society where nobody ever wants for anything. Everybody lives a perfect ideal life. And the way that Omela's the town, the city <clears throat> is able to run that way is because there's one guy oh, in a dungeon somewhere who's being tortured day in and day out and his Wait. pain. Go ahead. What is this called again? It's called the ones who walk away from Omela's by Ursula K. Le Guin. She wrote the earth sea books. Um, you know when this came out? Uh, I don't know when it came out. I can send it to you. Um, but well, uh, I'm into I'm into reference something on the last podcast we did. I'm into reference something sounds exactly like this. But I, I'm gonna wait till you finish. So I'm just super excited because it reminded me of what I forgot to talk about. So this guy's pain and the fact that he's being tortured is what powers this, uh, you know, good feeling prosperity generator at the heart of the city. And the ones who walk away from Omelas are the people who find out about this and they don't fight. They don't uh, try to tear the whole system down because it's a real moral quandary, right? Like yes, they, you have, you have people who are living happy lives. They have families, they have kids. Everything is idyllic. Everybody lives in heaven. One person lives in hell. So that they're not like tearing all that shit down for one person, but they also can't morally justify living in a place 
based off of this person's suffering. So they just walk away. And that's a really uh, good, I think, political metaphor for these days, right? You can just, you just walk away. It's better. It's a better version of the trolley philosophy, the right. philosophical like puzzle. Uh, I think the good place, the television show did a very good job of showing that um, if either of y'all have seen it. I have. Yeah. Yeah. They literally show Chidi plowing through people on a trolley and blood and guts mm -hmm. going over the, it, <laughs> it's either you kill one person, you know, to save, five or do you kill the five person to save the one because you know the one it's, it's the moral con quandary of whom to kill like versus one person versus a lot but anyway what i was going to bring up last podcast i didn't bring didn't get to bring up that sounds like that i need some water sorry i've been smoking the devil's lettuce uh oh uh oh i know y'all have read the fucking book the giver uh, yeah everybody had to read the it was like a, it was like that and fucking the red badge of courage and catcher in the rye and heart of darkness the giver was in there okay i was a little bit so we didn't have to i didn't have to read any of those books except the giver catcher in the mm -hmm. rye was one of the ones they made you choose so they were kind mm -hmm. of phasing it out but I, i'm a little bit younger so they was making us read newer, mm -hmm. newer shit. but anyway the giver is exactly the synopsis of the book you were telling me about just before that mm -hmm. literally yeah, yeah 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 jonah's pain allows the people to live in a gray blob society and 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 to bring it into real life i think we're moving to a gray blob society at the expense of people that can see like us a hundred percent bro a hundred percent i was just saying this shit today when we were like picking out paint colors <laughs> i was like i'm sick and tired of gray everything is fucking gray even the just, floors are fucking gray, dude. Right. Those those gray uh, faux wood laminate floors that people like to put through an entire house. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. And then, like, for some reason, rich people love different shades of gray. It's because they have no soul. Their souls are dead. <laughs> but I like all that gaudy shit. I like going on Pinterest and looking at, I remember I went to Graceland with my mother when I was 14 uh, and we saw, you know, they take you on the tour <clears throat> and it's fucking amazing. There's shag carpet everywhere. You know, Elvis had a jungle room, which had all, like all these jungle plants and, and like waterfalls and shit like that. And you, know, you walk down yeah <laughs> <laughs> you like you walk down a staircase and there's this, this yellow paneling with old style crt like cathode ray tube uh, tvs like embedded in the walls and i was like this this goes back to what kelby and i uh what we talked about well what we all talked about on akira right like this this whole analog thing whether it's bam margera i saw a picture of him recently uh, editing old CKY videos with this huge analog setup. Yeah, when you first Graceland. mentioned it, when you first mentioned it, I can't lie, I thought they were teaching critical race theory in the Elvis jungle. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said cathode ray too, because I'm like, wait, CRT means something different in 2022. But no, Hotel the, the Kawasaki. Yeah, Hotel, the, the, the cathode ray <laughs> tube is like, is actually why uh, PlayStation graphics, when you watch them on YouTube, they look so much more fucked up than they used to be. It's because 
game designers used to design PS1 and sometimes PS2 games for cathode ray tubes, uh, TVs, right? So it would actually look better on those TVs than it does now. Uh, yeah. just kind of translated into digital. But like, the point is, is like, that was actually where we kind of peaked, I think, where nothing was as efficient as it is now, but it was present. It had a physical presence in our lives. Now everything is reversed. Like everything's ethereal. Everything is, is you know, we're entering the age of air, which is really interesting that everything now is like, it's in the cloud. Um, yeah, that's cool that and, you mentioned it like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, but I don't know, I get a lot of nostalgia, even for, you know, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s and having a disc man and, you know, fucking not knowing what was going on in the world. Well, right. I want to I want to take it. A, I want to take it a smidge deeper. This might not connect, but I think it does in a way in the age of air versus what used to happen. So, um, like you said, everything's kind of ethereal and cloudy and, oh, your truth, my truth. And oh, here's a participation trophy. Let's let's you know let's keep it going. And back in the day, you know, you're you're supposed to sell Charmanders and EV plushies and and Pikachu plushies to where that person's you know that person's room is decked out. They don't have room for Furbies and Digimon because your product took up that product space. And yeah. nowadays, people uh, random jump make rap songs two minutes long. So it's so it fits in a playlist with other rap songs. Like everything is so fucking friendly. Everything is so fucking non-competitive. Everything is so trying not to be abrasive. Like you said, it's sleek. It's not blocky. It, it doesn't take up space. Everything is supposed to just fucking slide right by each other. Oh hi, we're like this fake friendly shit. When all these companies really are just these greedy billionaires would kill each other if they had a chance. But. It's not this. me and Kelby, bro. Not me and Kelby. Like we, that's why we don't get along in the in the writing world. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that you brought up the like the tip on competition and how because you think about it, it's like the goal is you're only gonna have Pokemon shit. But we had exactly. Pokemon shit, we had Yu-Gi-Oh shit, we had Digimon shit because they were all cool because they were all competitive. They were all but, like we're the top but, shit. One hundred percent. We we all did, but there were you know if you were a Pokemon dude. You still had the Yu-Gi-Oh and other shit, but you were a Pokemon dude. Right. And it was right. obvious. Yeah. You know, they were they were vying. There was a winner. Get, exactly. And they were trying to get that out of the kids. I don't think they're trying to do that as much now. No, because it doesn't matter because it's all part of this kind of slush. Like you said, you know, Drake comes out with like these garbage albums that are 30 songs long. And the whole idea is that you just you listen to all 30 so that he gets, you know, 0.001 cent off of every song, but not even with music. I mean, with books, everything's just so fucking disposable now. And it's all supposed to be meant like, to, it's all meant to be ingested uh, in a very unassuming way. I'm going to like brief tangent, brief, cause brief tangent. I listen to a lot of uh, medical podcasts and psych psychology podcasts. I've been listening to a uh, Huberman lab lately because he, he has some really dense three-hour podcasts on shit like you know mental issues and uh you know different strategies for dealing with them based on the latest science it's really interesting shit but um so whenever you're listening to this podcast because he's a medical doctor and a researcher at stanford he prefaces everything that he says with uh, a disclaimer right he's like i'm not your doctor i'm not i'm not giving you medical advice like you need to talk to your doctor whatever whatever blah 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 
And I started realizing that that is actually that, that kind of thing has actually bled out into our society because of how sensitive everybody is now about everything where you'll just be listening. I was listening to a podcast. It was a ghost story podcast from the Philippines. I was listening to it with my wife in the car today. And like, and she, she goes, she's talking about uh, incubus and succubus, right? Like demons that rape you in your sleep and steal your energy or whatever. And she's like, and you know, the incubus is the male and the succubus is the female, but you know, but that's really outdated and heteronormative. Right. So it's just this, this thing. Right. But that's, that's the issue. Right. But that's the issue, isn't it? Like that's connected (laughs) to every, everything that we're talking about is like, everything's meant to like not offend and be very clinical and make sure that everybody's on board. And I know me, Kelby, and I get the sense that you too, Kawasaki are just like, now fuck that. Like I'm the best and my vision is powerful. My will is powerful and fuck you. If you don't like it. I'm very much so like that to the chagrin of a lot of people around me, but they won't cut me off because I'm not in bad spirits. Like I'm not coming negativity. Like mm-hmm. it, like I would say something like, "What the fuck is heteronormative?" That's like saying, "Blue, blue," right? Like, <laughs> right. At know, a certain yeah. point, right, we lost this whole thing where there was like a base that was called normal. <laughs> it's like we started making these weird words up, yeah, uh, to 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 make the majority into a like a, a separate like I don't know its own thing. Well, it's because people know. want people otherize the anything other than normal to to be negative automatically. I mean, I never wanted to be a normal basketball player. You know, I never right. wanted to be a normal person. But whenever people aren't classified as normal, they automatically take it negatively sometimes. Yes, this pursuit to keep everything on a baseline, like instead of there being any kind of balance or levels to the, there's different levels to shit. And mm-hmm. that's part of how you like, you know, somewhere down the line, you have some kind of balance and harmony. Um, maybe harmony is better than balance, but like, cause that sounds more like equality and equality is actually more being on this baseline where it's like, you, you don't want everybody to be the same. Yeah. Like, wh- bro, women do not want to be treated equally. Like that, that's ridiculous. You think, women, you think women want to be treated like how we talk to each other? Like, that doesn't nah, make any sense. It never sense. works. No, absolutely not. I was going to say, we can't get too far away from that just because everything else is getting too far away from it. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, it sucks to look at all this crazy shit, but we're going to outbreed them. 100 percent. so we just can't lose sight of <laughs> that's true that's true i see all this kind of like because they're all about like abandon your family become an atomized consumer who just kill buys... them motherfucking fetuses kill them yeah, yeah, yeah. right exactly yeah keep and, going yeah and i support i support necessary abortion 100 percent. i support unnecessary abortion but they racking them joints up like Mario tokens and bragging about it, bro. We're going to outbreed them. So all we have to do is remain steadfast. It's like Machiavelli said, never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. Right? I love that. Yeah. I love that. The end justifies the means. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oh yeah. uh, man. Let's circle it back to Dragon Ball Z uh, or Dragon Ball super colon superhero. One of the fucking most Japanese names. 
yes. a major movie has ever come out with unabashedly, bro. <laughs> One thing I've always admired about the Dragon Ball series is that just how Japanese it is. And uh, one thing I was just talking to my girl about, which the, what is it called? That superhero, the old Japanese superhero, like Power Rangers type of program. What is it called? It's like oh, Say, uh, Saitan. I'm trying to remember this. I know what you're trying I'm gonna, to say. I'm going to look it up before I uh, butcher it completely. <laughs> you can feel free to, I'm, I'm big on editing. Sentai. Podcasts. Super Sentai. Sentai. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. You hit that. Super Sentai. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's really cool that he was showing his love for the Super Sentai type of uh, super powered, you know, young adult flavored pop culture. I think it was cool because that is what Japan was known for in the 70s and 80s. But after what he did, we look at a Japanese protagonist completely differently, don't we? We look oh, yeah. at, yeah. you know, our shirtless Gokus, our shirtless Yusukes, Ichigos, uh, they're, they're regular boys, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it's really cool how hard his art changed what he even, well, even what he admired. It completely changed it. And then it's cool for him to go show that love again. Yeah. Yeah, that's really at the heart of this movie. That's what it's all about is showing love, showing love to history, like showing love to inspiration, showing love to the fans. Like there's so much fan service in this movie. Um, I was expecting just because it's, you know, the nature of people and the fact that it's animated completely different than any other Dragon Ball that has ever come out before it. I was expecting some hate. So far, I, I haven't seen anything. Uh, far as I can tell, everybody fucking digs this movie. And um, it, it did just feel like... I, I was kind of wondering, too, like, how that plays. Because I usually, like, you know, shit talk the any kind of pandering. But it... I think it, it's a genuine love, I think, is why it comes across as, like, everybody fucks with it. Because it does feel like they're they're showing love to the fans not just like here's the shit that you want to see you fucking idiots i think i think you're 100 correct on that and i think dragon ball z gets away with and i'm gonna say this very very fucking um controversially in my opinion because this is my favorite shit of all time dragon ball z i mean i'm here because of this shit mm-hmm. but it gets away with being mediocre as hell oh yeah and so anything that's not complete garbage you know anything that has a redeeming quality gets praised and i love it i love it because i love the love fuck it i don't like that hate so you know we'll leave that the hater ass anime fans in other fan bases you know dragon ball z doesn't usually have that type of negativity to it and it's accessible by such a wide range of people because of that i feel like yeah it always sticks to its universal message of just like constantly leveling up like dragon ball we were talking about competition like dragon ball is all about competition like that is the core message of the show facts even the ones that can't compete as well don't not compete they never don't try right exactly even look at krillin like you you could say he's given up right by just being like i'm just a normal guy i have a job but he's like trying to assert that he is actually he's a respected police officer right like he's not just he's not just 
a noble job too yeah right he's not just out there like you know what yeah that wasn't for me i suck whatever like nah he's still asserting his position his role and still like you know you know krillin gets unfairly shit on like a a bit too much because he is still like i'm gonna go out on a limb krillin gets shit on but i'm gonna go out on a limb he's like almost like you know at the end of the day similar to hank in breaking bad like he's a super cop yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. hank had all the heroic moments during the story which krillin had a few of those he had a lot of heroic moments especially early dragon ball z but um it's just that like you know, walter was like goku level drug dealer like crazy you know what i'm saying crazy talent level baseline but somebody with enough he had a gut you know what i'm saying he had a family he had all these things that would hold a, a super cop back and you know what I'm saying completely bash through all of that and like Krillin whereas Goku is protecting the universe Krillin is like man I'm the strongest fucking human so I'm gonna protect these humans and I'm gonna do it good and like that that's a really cool character arc for a joke character like little bald monk dude that was just getting beat up yeah yeah it's very noble like it's actually a Krillin is kind of if there's anybody you can um like and trying to think of it literally which you know how how much of Dragon Ball you're gonna try to take literally but the one that you could aspire to be most like is Krillin actually and that would make you a badass 100 percent. it's a good it's a good message and he got the bad bitch bro right he got he out there with 18 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but um uh somebody tell me more about his role in actually hurting cell max in this movie because i only know you know what i watched in these research videos because i didn't actually see the movie sorry guys but you know i'm caught up as much as i could be caught up research wise without seeing yeah and i i saw the movie like i told uh, y'all I, I saw it on a cam video like people walking around the theater and shit so it's like you know you got to do what you got to do can't always make it out to the theater to watch these movies uh that's all alleged by the way for anybody who's listening to this but uh, krillin krillin does uh he does this big energy bomb at a, at a crucial moment to try to save piccolo wait wait wait, piccolo- wait, wait, wait 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 spoiler spoiler alerts incoming oh yeah yeah we're gonna be so we're finna dig into it we're gonna spoil the whole damn movie okay <laughs> sorry sorry about that yep so <clears throat> piccolo is getting his ass beat by cell max who's a very frightening character i think they did a good job of uh one thing that i really like about dragon ball in general and this movie in particular is that they're great at slowly but surely raising the stakes so you start off with these two android characters uh created by dr hedo um who are really really powerful and it feels like nobody can can fuck with them at all until uh gohan accesses his you know deep power from seeing pan in danger and uh Piccolo gets to become a orange Piccolo because he he wishes to become the most powerful that he can become from the on he wishes on the Dragon Balls basically. Which funny side note, 
Alma's been using the Dragon Balls to wish for like a fatter ass and like to get her crow's feet taken away. It's a nice little in joke <laughs> yeah. there. She's um, not the only one either. <laughs> but uh but so basically Piccolo is just getting his ass handed to him by this thing. He's fighting very valiantly. But uh Gohan has to power up into something that I don't I don't know my Dragon Ball well enough to know if it's been seen before, but basically he becomes like this white haired Super Saiyan, right? But he needs time to power up. So while Piccolo is getting wrecked, he gets like his, I guess he gets his arm shot off, but it grows back. Uh, Which is a callback. Yep. Yep. Uh And uh, basically uh, Krillin is one of the, the, the crew, you know, that kind of that throw their whole body into keeping Selmax occupied while Gohan reaches this full potential to the point that he's able to fire an energy blast through Selmax's weak point at the top of his head that stretches out all the way into space. Again, this concept of scale, right? Going from very small to very big, but doing it gradually until it's on a planetary scale. And I've read some things about how Dragon Ball Super, you know, they end up like there's characters that destroy universes and, uh, you know, like plant, like they, they meld with planets and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually the, uh, the other uh, Namekians from um, the second universe who are part of the Tournament of Power and Dragon Ball Super, they mm-hmm. uh, they absorbed the energy of the entire planet because it was going to be eviscerated. And so they couldn't like harbor all these refugees. So they just like absorbed the essence of like the entire planet into just their two bodies. That's and then the Namekians have... Um... They have a, a history of, like I said, they're asexual beings. They have a history of being able to, like, like when they fuse. Remember when Piccolo fused with Nail? And Nail mm-hmm. looks exactly like fucking Piccolo, but Piccolo damn near got a Super Saiyan power of boost. They, they can just, they're, I would say, closer to uh, a being that would be one with its planet's life stream. There's fusion in this movie, too. Who's it? Goten and uh, Trunks? <laughs> They, 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 trunks. Yeah, they, they fuse together, but it goes wrong. So they become this big fat slob that yeah, actually ends up and ends up being uh useful. Yeah, right? I mean you go Gotenks is powerful as fuck, regardless of if it's fat Gotenks or emaciated Gotenks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh Gotenks, uh lard ass Gotenks is dropped onto <laughs> Cell Max's head at just the right time to like crack his skull. Show oh showing that's that, hilarious. like like the and that reveals to him actually that um the how the original cell had a regeneration ability this one doesn't this was yep. like an, an unfinished clone of cell max um that wasn't like all the way finished and so yeah when they like crack his skull it's like oh he can't regenerate we're finna get this motherfucker it's also why he doesn't have any of his personality or any personality at all, which I think is cool. Yeah, he's just a straight monster. Like when he's unleashed at the end, it's just um it's just kaiju level mayhem. Uh I guess we can run through the whole plot because the main points to talk about are like all the cool shit that happens. Uh so we could do like a rundown of the plot. Oh yeah. So you got uh you got Commander Red, 
his son magenta another color i don't know how red made magenta but shout out blues clues (laughs) magenta (laughs) hold on (laughs) wait a minute wait a minute you don't know how red made magenta no i I was joking i was doing another callback okay 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 i was about to say hold on let's let's pull up the pantones <laughs> Purple and red makes <laughs> right, 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 right. But right. Magenta is uh he's the midget CEO of Red Pharmaceuticals, and he's trying to revive the Red Ribbon Army. Um, but the, why do you got to be a midget CEO? He just is, bro. They make jokes about it too. Like he's always um he's looking out the window all menacingly, like over the city, and then when the camera zooms into the room like goes through the window and shows him in the room. It pans up to show that he's standing on a stool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's he's can, canonically the midget CEO. He's he's you know the yeah, average yeah. the average CEO is six foot tall. The average CEO can suck my balls. Um. <laughs> Bars, you know that that run. <laughs> that that well you, you can have that one, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, I really, I want to actually stop right there. And I do love that there is um, all the, like the CEO and the guy with the crazy, you know, ace attorney hair or whatever oh, is, uh, yeah, like that they're all so pathetic, you know, like the disdain for corporations and particular, it's interesting, right? That it's a pharmaceutical company that uh, gets all this slander. And I was like kind of fist pumping when I watched this movie because I was like, yeah, fuck them. Fuck pharmaceuticals. This uh, Dragon Ball Super says fuck Pfizer. Fuck Pfizer. I'm on record. Fuck Pfizer. Fuck Moderna. Fuck all that shit. You guys can take as many vaccines as you want. I'm good. Thank you. But but no. I'm over here. I'm over here trying to go beast mode. Like go on. I don't need no vaccine, bitch. I got I got COVID. I ate that shit up. Spit it back out. I'm good. Oh shit! I'm glad you said that about the beast mode, Gohan. You mentioned something about you don't know if the white, uh, gray hair is a callback. It kind of is, but it's not a callback to anything canon. It's a callback to those original Spanish drawings of the Dragon Ball AF Super Saiyan Five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what it's a callback to because it's the most powerful. <laughs> Gohan is supposed to be the most powerful. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. We never got to see the Super Saiyan Five, and then we see that white-haired Gohan, like gray-haired Gohan type deal, and it's a slightly longer hair than Super Saiyan Two. But it was also a callback to that Super Saiyan Two moment as well. Why he was dressed the exact same? Way. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. The whole movie is like, hey, all that shit y'all wanted to see, here it is. And Even up to. Even up to post credit, yeah, in 1080p. Even up to post credits, like I know we're jumping all over the place. Fuck it, but um, at the did they have the post credit scene on that shaky cam pirated version? Oh, I turned it off. I didn't even know. I thought it was over. Yeah, (laughs) enlighten us. What's the post credit? Vegeta beats Goku. Vegeta beat up Goku, babe. I told you the next movie is a Vegeta movie. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) yep yep it's a uh slightly a cop-out but i mean it counts well he learned that new technique he learned how to not move until you need to exactly 
he's over there goku is like your your muscles are gonna go all gelatin bro what you doing over here sitting on a rock bro you ain't gonna get strong by sitting on a rock and vegeta's like shut up i'm concentrating (laughs) (laughs) by the way the fucking the the voice for goku in japanese which i'd never heard before sounds like an old woman it is it's crazy. Well, it's because she used to be a young woman whenever we first heard her play Goku and it people used to say it sound fucking crazy. Yeah, but that's not the that in English, dude. They have like a regular guy. So this this kind of took me aback because I'd never seen a, a Japanese Dragon Ball oh, uh, before. Shit. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, didn't, you, you, I didn't know that. You're used to Sean Schimmel and like mm-hmm. his voice is very, very american like gruff type to compare to like what they were trying to go for originally mm-hmm. oh. yeah so it was freaking me out like i didn't know who was talking at first when goku would talk <laughs> in this movie be like who the fuck is that his so mannerisms that... his speaking mannerisms are different too like he has like a, a naruto that, that dr bio quirk <clears throat> if you if you know naruto like how he always says believe it uh-huh yeah it's because he always said dr bio in japanese and like he has quirks like those in the in the Japanese dubs, like not dubs, but you know the original. But all that gets lost on the uh, translations. Totally different, um, yeah, different perceptions of characters based on like depending which version you're watching. It's crazy, but yeah, yeah, Vegeta beats Goku. Technically, it counts. I mean, they're in a sparring match. That's sort of their thing through the movie, sort of what keeps them out of this conflict since it's running kind of a, a little bit parallel to the Dragon Ball Super storyline. Um, what, what allows Piccolo and Gohan to shine is uh, the fact that like they're off on, on Beerus's planet just like sparring and trying to beat the shit out of each other. Um, I, w- I was... I heard there was a something mentioned of like how Cell Max would even give Goku and Vegeta trouble or like they wouldn't be able to get to him like like other villains insinuating that the Gohan beast form is just as strong as any Goku or Vegeta form that's out right now insinuating that they're about to do the like they're about to bring Gohan into the fold how we always wanted him and keep him there yeah yeah and bro i was i have been re-watching a bit of dragon ball super 2 because my son is really into dragon ball and um i i got him hip to dragon ball z too so we're going through that but he likes he likes super and uh i f- i fucks would go on on like a a personal personal level. level like him like he's a dad right he's the super powerful badass and like without disclosing too much of my personal history and like legal shit and I plead the fifth and all all that shit (laughs) but like you know I come from some gangster shit myself and I'm just trying to be a family man bro like I'm just trying to raise a family and shit and uh in superhero he's caught up in his work right like he stays fixed to his computer he's like i gotta finish this presentation blah 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 blah. and piccolo is like you need to pick up your daughter you fucking neglectful neglectful you can't be like goku (laughs) yeah exactly exactly he's like uh yeah basically the same like well in his mind right so like goku just wanted gohan to be 
like him right like he wanted him to be an ultimate badass and he neglected anything else but training him to be a badass fighter and then gohan has kind of grown into this dude who's like i'm gonna have a normal family whatever and i'm gonna take care of him but he's obsessed with his work like he's just like all about his fucking butterfly presentations and no shit. he's a he's an entomologist he's a, yeah he's an entomologist and with us with a focus on beetles right beetle like, yeah, yeah yeah he's all about beetles and he just wants to like yeah i like that shit because i i like beetles too you know who else was um um a bug catcher and specifically extremely into beetles and it caused him to basically go on his journey that you know we all reckon you know who else is like that who the dude who created pokemon oh really yeah a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, it's it's called it's a coleopterist right is a person who's really into beetles it's like a lot of people i want to say joseph campbell was really into beetles i might be making that up uh darwin obviously was was all about beetles um there are people who are constantly like every day they're finding new species of beetles because in terms of species on this planet there's none that are more uh, diverse that have more different categories than beetles. You can get really into beetles, bro. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a thing, but on the fatherhood angle, um, I, I definitely connected with the movie on that level too. Right. Because, you know, Goku is an ab- absentee father. Piccolo's like a, he's like the real dad, right? Like Piccolo kind of like Step takes up. everything up. Yeah, he's like the stepdad, right? Who like he's the stepdad who steps up, as many gas station t-shirt shirts will tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it really is this kind of thing where it's like you know, like how do you, you know, you get whether it's getting involved in work or becoming a a white haired super super saiyan who can fucking shoot laser beams through uh, monsters' heads and shit. Like, but what, bro? What about your daughter? who's just you know who's three and uh just kind of wants to hang out yeah 100 percent. you got you got piccolo doing daycare duty and you know training they keep giving him stuffed animals for some reason he's like i don't even like these fucking things why do you keep giving me stuffed animals (laughs) (laughs) i know you love those plushies i didn't even like the first one the humor in this movie is really good too and i think throughout the whole show that's another thing where i know kawasaki you mentioned that Dragon Ball gets away with being mediocre. And I agree with you. I think how they mitigate that though, is through the constant humor, right? It's a very slapstick, funny show. Like there's always something happening. Even if there's nothing happening, there's like a joke or a, you know, or some kind of tension that's moving through the series. I take a lot of inspiration from the Dragon Ball series in that, in that regard, because I, I was talking to Kelby. We have like an author group chat with three other dudes and we were talking about storytelling. I got to write a book to get in the author group chat. Yeah, yeah, you got to be an author. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's the it's the, it's the writing sense. chat. And then write, how many books do I have to write? Just one. one. We'll let you in. Yeah, just just do one, yeah. and we'll we'll let you in. But we were talking about storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> twenty. Like literally, I, I don't give a fuck. I have um, two hundred. Uh, well, there you go. We're gonna have to let you in um it's it's really it's a fun chat dude it's it's really cool but we were talking about how american storytelling has become stagnant and uh dead because it's really stuck on to bring joseph campbell back this kind of hero's journey this hero's arc which is that it's valuable as a framework and uh you know um what's his name 
Dan Harmon, the guy who did Rick and Morty, has a yeah. has like a, a wheel of storytelling that he uses that's really effective. It, but, I've heard um, of the wheel of, of storytelling. Yeah, the wheel is just an extension on the Joseph Campbell arc, right? It's a, I think it's twelve right points that you run have it by to the hit. listeners real quick. So Dan Harmon, for every episode that he's done, whether it's Community or or Rick and Morty or whatever, he has this wheel, and basically there's always an A plot and a B plot. And it's like you introduce the character, you introduce a complication. The character has to reject the complication, making the situation worse, then has to figure out how to solve the problem. And then there's like the revolu- the resolution. And his his wheel is more complex than that. His 12 points are, are more complex than that. But um, I think there was actually a Rick and Morty episode where the wheel shows up in like kind of a meta way. But I might be making that up. Um, uh, I feel like that was probably a thing. I don't know if I actually watched that episode, but I feel like that was definitely a thing. Yes. Yeah, I've never seen it. I, I've never seen the whole final season of Rick and Morty or the fourth season or whatever, but I would 100% believe that happens. But the reason why that show is so great and why community is so great is because he's got it literally down to a science, right? He, he puts it up on a whiteboard in his writing room and they all have to go off this, this wheel and it works every time. But the problem with that is that I'm, I'm interested in different forms of storytelling. And I think long form serialized Dragon Ball Z style, uh, like infinite game style thing. There's a book called Finite and Infinite Games. And this author is really interested in, you know, you have checkers, chess, things that are finite, right? But what if you created a game that was infinite? It could just go on forever. And we see examples of this in open world games, online games, World of Warcraft is an infinite game. Um, yeah, Fortnite. And- Fortnite's an infinite game and Shoot, even like, on Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah. but like in, in storytelling, right. I, th- I think that you see it not in America, but you see it in manga. You see it in like one piece or berserk or dragon ball Z or in uh, the Naruto end. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Naruto ended. It ended. Right. But well, hypothetically, well, hypothet- hypothetically well, it could go on. Right. Like, they it, created it, Boruto. The they Boruto created, came. Yeah. Yeah. And Boruto is run by an assistant, Toyotaro, uh, not Toyotaro, Toyotaro like assistant of uh, Masashi Kishimoto. So it's, it's essentially the same thing as Dragon Ball Super would be, whereas Toriyama in drawing a goddamn thing from his million dollar <laughs> fucking gold throne in his Japanese McMansion somewhere. Uh, the dude that made Naruto hasn't moved his wrist in a decade, but his assistants are cooking you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly or like you know james patterson does this in the united states where he hires authors to write he'll just have it like he'll be t- <coughs> james patterson will be taking a shit one day and have an idea and he sends it to his farm and the book pops out a month later um but i'm interested in that form of storytelling right even if the books that i write do have endings i'm interested in creating worlds and world building to uh the point where you know something could keep going you know what i mean like you you tell individual stories within a world that could potentially exist after that well if we're talking about if we're talking about telling individual stories in a world that could continue possibly after that story is over you know there's one name that we haven't mentioned yet we got to the queen herself jk rowling did it better Mm -hmm. than anybody else ever in the history of and what what was her book? 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do not fuck with Harry Potter, but I'm willing to hear well, you about this. Book. Okay, okay. So you don't fuck with Harry Potter. That's even gonna be it's gonna be easier to explain. The mass amounts of people year after year that fuck with Harry Potter, and it hasn't been a new Harry Potter book, like actual Harry Potter, mainline Harry Potter book. Right, forever. right, right. No, I think, yeah, no, I think this is I get you, exactly yeah. You're, you, yeah. What, what we're talking about is something cooking new fans or new ideas or new IPs out of it. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Only there's only so many Mark Zuckerbergs, you know, there's only so many fucking Steve Jobs. Is 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 like <laughs> these people that make things that make things, you know, they create they create jobs. That's that a good way jobs. of putting it make things that make things. But in the artistic sense, yeah. Exactly. Her her art created a franchise that created an industry. Star Wars is like that too, right? Star Wars is exactly like that, yeah. It's just a lot of fucking mid-movies post-2014. Yeah, they keep hiring nerds. What they really need to do is hire people who don't give a shit about Star Wars. Bro, Last Jedi was the best one. And that's it. I think they I think they hire people that don't give a shit about Star Wars. I think they need to hire fucking super nerds. No, because Chuck Wendig wrote a bunch of Star Wars books and he's a pedophile who uh oh, Jesus. Like not, a, not not a <laughs> Oh Jesus. Allegedly. Just kidding. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, to to bring it full circle though. Akira Toriyama and the Dragon Ball franchise is right the fuck up there. And the main thing out of Japan that's anywhere near that, because out, I mean, half the shit that comes out in Dragon Ball, I'm sure Toriyama has no idea. <laughs> like the, the stupid card games you can get on the phone. This the, the I, start, I started getting ads for that after I pirated the movie. I was like, how do y'all know that I downloaded this shit? That's exactly. crazy. <laughs> uh, like you have these things being created based off of these things that were already created and i feel like it, I, you know he's so disconnected he's done so much at this point he could just chill out he doesn't even know what the fuck's going on just, as long as it's not trash he cool because in reality and a lot of people don't know this story dragon ball the resurrection of broly the movie that kind of kicked off super and all this shit right yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, he made that because dragon ball evolution sucked so bad because he was he was done bro he was effectively retired at that point but the american adaptation of dragon ball was so bad that he rose up from the dead it was and like, made oh a, hell no that's like that's like miyazaki a, right miyazaki with the you know the studio ghibli guy he uh he retired and then his son took over Studio Ghibli and he saw the first movie that his son made and he came out of retirement. He was like, this was is the, not acceptable. What was, what was the movie his son made, bro? Um, I, I can't remember. I don't know. Was, which, was it, Toby, uh, do you know? Was it from Up on Poppy Hill? It might have been because Spirited Away was his last movie, right? Like he made Spirited Away, he was done. And then the I watched this whole, this whole documentary about uh, how he was, uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic documentary. It's on HBO Max, I think, still, unless they fucking erased it. Like, they erased Sesame Street and other good shit. But um, there's this Street's documentary. Dude, wait, it is? All right, no, keep going, bro. Don't even go down that rabbit hole. Don't do it. I looked. I, I read what they were saying. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, 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 bliss, I'm blissfully ignorant as a white person on to what's racist and what's not. I'm just like, oh, okay, this is cool. Um, but, uh, but basically, so he, like the documentary is this, the guy who comes to his house and he's this 80 year old man smoking cigarettes, making tea, wearing an apron. And he's really, he's grouchy about shit and he fucking hates everything. He's like, nothing's good. Everybody sucks. And he just sits at this table for hours a day and sketches he can't he can't stop he's a creator who has made some of the most iconic anime films uh ever ever that have ever existed right like howl's moving castle princess mononoke castle in the sky i mean pompo i mean you could just go on right like pretty much all of them and uh he's basically he's got this idea about a caterpillar right and it's his first foray into working with 3D animators to make this little movie about a caterpillar. And it's just a fascinating look at a, at a truly creative, disciplined, grouchy, intoxicated mind that I, that I, I really appreciate it. I mean, uh, imagine trying to get to go 3D. Like, it's really cool that he's willing to accept the new mediums it's it's also kind of sucks that he can't stay he can't stay retired out of spite out of (laughs) because he has a fail son (laughs) negative negative influences you know what i mean like like yeah because he because he looks and the thing about it his son probably wasn't a failure bro the movie just probably like compared to his first movie he he wasn't probably probably doing that he was probably comparing it to fucking spirited away well you you of course his son's not gonna make it spirited away but you see, you see documentary footage of him back in the '90s, '80s, uh, working with animators, and he gets deep into the weeds. He's like, okay, so in uh, you know frames 124 through 136, this character uh, tur- the wrist looks turn- weird. Well, exactly, the character yeah. turns this way. He's like, I want you to turn like that for me, and the animator like tries to do it. He's like, see, people don't move that. Yeah, way. you can't do it. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I Michael Jordan's son suck at basketball. It's the curse, right? It is, strong, strong yeah. men create, you know, uh, good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create great men. And uh, I think That's about that I, a lot. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get rich, and not let my kids know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Ramen noodle gonna, rich. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, Daddy, I'm hungry. Oh man, baby, I don't know if we can eat today. Meanwhile, you got you got like <laughs> you got fucking six zeros in your bank account. You're like, ah, I don't, I don't think, I don't it's know. Like, it sounds it, good on paper until you hear that voice. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm tough. hungry. Oh no, I gotta feed my baby. My baby's starving. Yeah. Good thing I have all these Tony's pizzas in my freezer that I can just heat like. Tony's pizza used to cost 50 cents when I was a kid. I, my mom made us that shit all the time. And now I went to the store the other day. It was like 350. Inflation is a bitch, bro. Crazy. It's a it's a Tony's pizza. What's it's Tony's going to pizza? give you it. Well, it's a it's you just heat it up in the oven. It's frozen, right? It's like Red Baron or you know, one of these other kinds, but it's Tombstone. it's gonna give you diarrhea. It's gonna it's gonna give you yeah, tombstone. <laughs> It's yeah. well, if not, I've never gotten diarrhea from one of those pizzas, but I've gotten acid reflux like crazy uh, because like the mouth tomato diarrhea. sauce is toxic. But uh, yeah, <laughs> mouth diarrhea, basically. Yeah. yeah. God damn. 
<laughs> but uh speaking of kids i actually took rowan my three-year-old son to go see this and he was fucking with it he had his little bag of popcorn he was kicking his feet in the seat and he was just chilled back until like the fight started going and then he was pretty much standing up in the aisle the whole movie just jumping up and down uh <laughs> Pic- piccolo is his dude he does he doesn't fall like that apple didn't fall far from the tree i'm a big piccolo head and rowan loves piccolo so like this being a piccolo movie he was all about it one of my favorite things about this movie is uh I've been seeing a bunch of YouTubers showing their kids enjoying the movie alongside them. And as far as a modern day franchise or any franchise, you know, very few capture both demographics have like how Dragon Ball has done it and continues to do it. You know, uh, Pokemon, new Pokemon content. If it's a video game, adults are going to care about it. Like, if it's maybe on TV, I don't even know if the kids care about that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. For it to be a, a movie, a singular product, and you have children that like it like that, and you have adults that like it like that, is what kind of what we always wanted anime to be, which is mainstream. Mm-hmm. I hope it goes mainstream. I hope that this kind of breaks something wide open but i feel like i feel anime's got to be a big industry in the u.s now dude it already is mainstream um demon slayer two years ago the demon slayer movie that came out was like the highest grossing foreign movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's already mainstream uh it it already outsells american comics of course uh the the foreign films are put in a different category than anime films because anime films would just be the foreign films category besides like maybe one or two movies from India or France or something like that. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't it, even mean that's, that as a funny. That's not even a joke like that. Like that's just the, the, the no, anime. No, yeah. That's 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 like the publishing industry right now, right? So the publishing industry uh, is basically run by white women, and uh, they feel the need to have a lot of diversity and inclusion. But what they what they mean is they want diverse, they want black people writing like the, the same books that like MFA white people are writing. That's what they mean by diversity and inclusion, completely neglecting the fact that the biggest sellers besides, uh, you know, right wing Trump books and shit like that, which really do keep the publishing industry moving. Like the next biggest genre is black women who buy books, yeah, but, but they're urban, buying urban. But they're yep. buying books that called urban. like, you know, like fell in love with a thug or the cartel or the coldest winter ever or whatever. Mafia like, wife. Mafia wife, shit like that. <laughs> but like, but these, but these white women are really, they're, they're torn. They're like that meme of like the guy who has the two buttons that he's trying to press. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, I don't know which way to go because it's like, oh, we don't want to be, uh, we want to be uh, inclusive and diverse. And it's like, bitch it's already diverse you just don't want to admit that this shit like anime is taking off so you just you get you you stay quiet about this this area where uh, black people in this case in the case of anime obviously it's japanese people are dominating because it's like distasteful to you right like you want like the prestige too because there are certain qualities of it that um that counteract the message 
the only quality is is the dollar that's it how much does mm-hmm. it sell you know and well that's I, what it should that's what it should be but a lot of times it is not the case uh with yeah. how some people operate right because yeah no case in point like um i wonder how much people are going to be talking about dragon ball super in a few months when like the oscar bait starts coming out and you know it's like dragon ball super is still the biggest movie of the year but y'all don't want to be talking about that no more because y'all want to act like y'all want to wear your penguin suits and pretend you're sophisticated and shit i like penguin suits i like that i like penguin suits too i ain't gonna lie <laughs> but they know they're, they're doing the dance they're doing the, the the monkey tap dance you know but they always do that which is why you can't take the award show seriously you really got to just you really got to delve into what people are saying. You got to find it. And that's what sucks with everything being so fragmented and people not really, you know, every time, you know, if you get a mass of people saying this sucks, but like having reasons, like it's review brigading or whatever the fuck they call it. I don't even know. This doesn't make sense. If, if a bunch of people say, if a bunch of people review something negatively at a restaurant, these same motherfuckers will take it seriously, but if a bunch of people review something negatively, then you know, at a at a you know, as an entertainment property, it's because of X or Y, not because of the right. fucking detailed yeah. paragraph the person left. Yeah, it's like, oh, all these talking about why hated it's trash. It. It's like, nah, it was trash. <laughs> you hate it. It was because... bad. This is this is why. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you'll notice that because, like, even the Dragon Ball Z movie, they're like the Dragon Ball fans are gonna be the, the the biggest detractors of the Dragon Ball movie. Oh, a hundred, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah, real fans, Though, they're not gonna pump it up to death. The experience uh, at the theater with the other um, hardcore Dragon Ball fans was insane like i went to go see it at sun on a sunday at noon and that shit was packed like it was crazy did they clap yes everybody was like jumping up and down uh yelling it felt like um i felt good about taking my son there and he actually didn't like you know cause a scene or whatever he was joining in with the celebration but like uh you know, you get kind of worried taking your kids sometimes when they're that little, like, please don't act a fool out in public. I want to watch this whole movie. But uh, not everybody was was like that. They're screaming whenever you got orange piccolo. They're like, oh, what? And, <laughs> and then my son starts screaming, orange piccolo, orange piccolo. Yeah. like That's, awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. That was another, like, going back to the humor, that was one of my favorite jokes of the movie when Gohan is like, what the hell was that? You got to give that a name or something. He's like, how about orange piccolo? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the most, that's the most piccolo thing they say ever. Like basically shut up, stop asking. <laughs> but it's also, it's also really a really funny storytelling device, right? Because people often think that you have to come up with some arcane name for like a new thing it's like oh this is a thing it's like like the new cell right like the idea would be like oh we're gonna uh, it's 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 a totally no it's cell max it's like super shredder that's what cell max reminded me of and there was a part where cell max gets covered in rubble 
and I was really thinking of uh, Super Shredder in uh, that's cool. Is it TMNT? In, in, in uh-huh. TMNT two, right? Where he like he brings the whole uh, dock down by punching all the columns out like a fucking idiot. That was that's one of the biggest cop outs. That I remember actually being disappointed by that when I saw TMNT two in theaters. I was like, so wait, so sorry, that's loud. Can you guys hear that thunder? It's pretty loud. Yeah, that's thunder. God. Oh damn. Yeah. I yeah, thought it's... you were like just randomly dragging your couch across the floor or something. It's storming like crazy out there. But um, but no, I remember being like, really? He just like he brought it. So, You're gonna bring it all down, and then he does, and that's how he he dies. But anyway, I felt like a real like super shredder, cell max, orange piccolo. These are all like just call it the thing that it is, right? Uh, I, I have an interesting theory that uh dragon ball created the check off transformation yeah like like the ch- <laughs> <laughs> like it's <laughs> like that you know I what like i'm that. saying like it's, it's a checkoff's gun you know yeah. it's there it's been sitting there we got the movie when where, where's the transformation and niggas finna turn up after let's see yeah. it let's do it you know it's, that's where i'd that say escalation. dragon ball can get away and with it, with the escalation being so formulaic, you can get away with the mediocrity because you know where the payoff is, and everybody in turn knows what they're paying money for. It's like a dubstep drop, it, right? Right. It's exactly like a dubstep drop. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you know it's coming. You know that what that Skrillex like whoa 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 whoa. It's gonna sound the same every time, but if you hear that shit and you're rolling tit, you're you're gonna go wild. When you know it's coming, you're gonna turn up regardless. You could th- this drop could be kind of whack, but like you know it's coming, you can turn up. Like you know the Super Saiyan is coming, you're gonna turn up. Mm-hmm. It's an experience. It's interactive. Like that's part of the. Uh, I think that's the part of like from a storytelling perspective. Like that's kind of the vein you're trying to tap. There is interacting with the person who's consuming the art that you're making. Like sort of giving them uh, a badass car to sit in and drive around themselves a little bit like no facts 100 percent. all the kids were trying to turn super saiyan after we saw it and that's interacting with the audience yeah yeah exactly it's not like it's different from the idea of like an ip where you're trying to build a franchise to make endless formulaic like at this point like basically ai written bullshit you're wanting a a level of engagement from your readership listenership viewership that sort of like spills into their lives it it just stays in their imagination constantly well you you yeah you want it to spill into their lives and the best franchises in my opinion do it up front because whereas uh whereas some franchises seep into people's lives, like how Gundams, you know, I'm bringing back the Gundam, you know, sitting on my shelves, and I haven't even watched half the shows that these Gundams are from. And, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh does it up front by like, hey, here's a fucking card game that's dope as shit, and and this is the full experience of the IP. This show is cool as hell. It looks cool. It's visually stunning. It's it is you know compelling characters. But this card game outside of it is, you know, it's not going to seep into your life. We're going to place it into your life right. and we're going in- to introduce it properly. I have a, I have a proto conspiracy theory about Yu-Gi-Oh! 
specifically around how its creator died. He, uh, oh my god, he, I, that shit's crazy. He washed up on a beach, right? Like he just kind of washed up. He was dead. He was alone. Uh, and then a week after he died, Shinzo Abe got fucking shotgunned to death. And I feel like with no evidence whatsoever to go on, this is Alex Jones territory, right? I feel like those two things are linked somehow. I feel like there was something going on with Yu-Gi-Oh and the Japanese government. Can't prove it. Have absolutely no evidence to support my claim. <laughs> But I feel like it's true. That is ridiculously racist and also has some merit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, gonna be the blur- that's gonna be the blurb for the agitator podcast, actually. Ridiculously racist, but it has some merit. That is this show, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, um, I but 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 seriously, seriously though, like uh it's fucking uh weird, bro. Like it's a weird coincidence. That's seriously crazy that they died in very mysterious ways, right? you know, in that proximity to each other. Assassinated. I follow, I follow Jake, follow Jake Adelstein on Twitter, the guy from um, Tokyo Vice. Mm-hmm. Y'all mm-hmm. ever seen Tokyo Vice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I know it's a, it's a Michael Mann thing. So it seems okay. interesting. Let's do an episode on that. Yeah. Like ASAP, Tokyo, you know, you know what it's about, right? It's like Miami Vice, but in Tokyo, that's my understanding. I've never seen Miami Vice because I'm an uncultured dweeb, but well, <laughs> American. But anyway, basically, Jake Adelstein, he's a, a guy gene. He's, he's a white boy. I, I think he's a, he's a Jewish white boy from, I want to say New York. I could be wrong, but I think it's Kentucky. 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 I just got corrected. Hey, 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 Kentucky. <laughs> basically, so he goes to, he goes to, uh, he goes to college. He wants to be a, a journalist, but he, he wants to be a Japanese journalist. You know what I mean? Like goes out there, learns the lifestyle because he's, his relationship with his family isn't all too perfect. But he uh, goes and lives a lifestyle in Japan to get in bed with enough shady characters to get enough information to basically reveal to the world at large that the Yakuza runs everything, not just some things, but everything. Mm-hmm. And it shook up the Japanese culture. And, and now the Yakuza is pretty much like they run a little bit, but it's nothing. It, they're crippled because of Jake Adelstein's report. Yeah. And he's still out there doing his thing. I follow him on Twitter. We should ask him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, actually. That's were any of the episodes idea. were any of the episodes directed by Japanese people? Were any of the episodes directed by Japanese people? Let me check. It's it's a fairly. It's probably because it was it was Cinemax or no, it was HBO Japan Studios. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I feel like that. I feel like wow, that wow, counts, wow. right, Kelby? Yeah, I it's think in. It counts. It's in Japanese. Yeah, I feel like that counts. Yeah, trying to keep some. There've been. Uh, we're going on a podcast on Wednesday to talk about a Korean movie, and I was like, well, not exactly, but you know. No, yeah, there's only like there's only like three white people in the movie, and two of them are like European white, not American. That sounds good enough for me. You, <laughs> I'm, I promise, I promise. When you start watching it, you'll love it. It's it's factually based, but it's very fucking good, very fucking compelling. The biggest uh, nationalism in this show that's uh, funny because David's been canceled for being a white nationalist. It's like, nah, mm-hmm. we we stand Japan. Yeah, like... <laughs> it's, it's got to be Japanese. It's got to be Japanese. 
Otherwise, how are you a nationalist if you stand another country? What are people talking about? Uh, they th- there was a cancellation that went on with me because I uh, came to the defense of Alex Jones, and uh, people used a lot of uh, like association to like kind of put me in a camp with like right wing nationalists, kind of like Nazi people. It's like people are crazy, dude. People are crazy online. It it doesn't. It doesn't hold up to even like a little bit of scrutiny, but they were just, they just needed somebody to yell at for a couple of days. So I, I got, uh, I went through my little online cancellation. I mostly just ignored it because it was stupid. <laughs> and I did, I did, uh, I did once play a white nationalist in a movie called green room. I was a skinhead in that movie. Uh, but uh, I've never been a real white Sorry. nationalist. My my fiance just showed me. Um, it's directed by Mitsuo Miyazaki. Good enough for me, baby. Let's go. It's Let's Japanese. Go, <clears throat> yeah, All right. we're we're gonna get go that ahead. dude on to talk about it too. Yeah, let's ask him. Yeah, he's. I'm down. I'll, I'll fucking bother. That dude's story is fucking interesting, bro. Because like. You'll see when you watch Tokyo Vice, but he had to go through a lot of gangster shit to, like I said, he was in bed with the Yakuza and he was in bed with the police. And he was trying to basically fucking trade off these stories, learn Japanese, you know, better and, and the culture. And he was doing it well. He was failing upwards, but like, he had a heart of gold, you know. He, he kept trying. He got himself in deep shit. This sounds like my he's also, kind of guy. He's also like he learned judo uh, while he was out there, and he's like six three white dude. You know, that's way bigger than most Japanese people. So <laughs> whenever yeah, he would get attacked, like, sounds like whenever uh, like journalists actually do their job and try to be journalists, it is actually like it's like all the president's men or something like that. It's it's actually scary and uh life-threatening and bro they impact- drugged him impactful they drugged him they jumped him they didn't they robbed him like it's, it's crazy he went through it he went through the shits we'll have to put that on there any final thoughts on dragon ball before we wrap this one up uh i'll let somebody favorite uh favorite moments yeah yeah I I just I like the fights. So the last half of the movie was it for me, where they're fighting the androids yeah. and then they fight Cell Max. And I mean, I, anytime that was going on, I um the beginning there was a lot of exposition because this is kind of a standalone Dragon Ball movie. I mean, obviously it has implications for the series at large because Gohan found his power, but that's the one major takeaway I think it's going to Go- transfer over Gohan found his power and Vegeta beat Goku correct in very, right in a very yes. a very trolling manner in a post-credit scene where he so the way he does it they're so exhausted by the end of their spar both of them they're like uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like barely swinging at each other they're like tapping each other and Vegeta goes and like throws his little weak bitch punch and taps goku on the chest and goku like falls over and vegeta's like yeah a win is a win. 
<laughs> run the uh, run that uh the the main fight chore- choreography. Let me get a recap of that real quick because I didn't actually get to see it, and I think it would be interesting to hear about it to the people listening too. I remember the first half they they are they're gonna spar because Goku is sparring with Broly and Broly uh, takes shit way too far basically. So he's like, whoa, 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 whoa! If you power up to your fullest abilities, like this tiny little planet that we're on will explode basically. So let's show you how a sparring match actually works. So he goes to Vegeta and Vegeta is um, he's meditating on a rock. So what is it, Kelby? He he saw somebody who was fighting, uh, who like oh, wasn't moving. But yeah, well, uh, we we I'm, I'm at mainly the the cell, like the okay, cell the, the cell Gohan mix. stuff, the cell match. Yeah, we oh. we we can talk oh, about man. the choreography of that fight too. But oh, okay. like you know okay. the the meat of the movie. Okay, so like the cell fight is interesting because cell cell busts out of the lab. Hedo lets him out. Uh, or no, Hedo doesn't. No, the, uh, Hedo is does. trying. Hedo is actually opposite his grandfather to an extent. Right. He is obsessed with creating, like being a scientist. So he takes the funding. He knows they're corrupt, but he has a change of heart. He's like, I've always wanted to be a hero. Like I took your money because I wanted to do my shit, but you're too evil for me to keep going along with this. And he's trying to stop Cell Max from coming out but before he has like a control system in place basically to like a like a like a off switch to keep him from destroying the whole world yeah yeah exactly so he and magenta kind of have a funny little roly-poly versus midget fight and um cell max uh ends up getting let out magenta you know presses the escape hatch button and they're done fighting up top like up top they're all done fighting gamma one and gamma two the like uh the android creations part of the red rocket uh resurgence wait i just said red rocket (laughs) 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 red ribbon uh because they like piccolo gets through to them that like you know they're being used that, you know and they're like oh i was programmed or whatever i was told this and that you know and i'm supposed to be a hero and he's like bro look around you do you think heroes like torture little kids and you know can't they've they've got pan you know like held hostage and shit um which piccolo actually uses to his advantage trying to get gohan to like so piccolo's the one who kidnaps pan because he's like double agenting for a uh, red ribbon when he infiltrates them so he can like keep an eye on what's going down and everything. He's the one who kidnaps pan and brings her. And he's like, Shh, we don't tell nobody. All right. You got to act like you're scared and everything. Cause your dad, he need to get up off his bullshit and he needs to power <laughs> up. And she's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And so like Piccolo is the one that's like, he grabs her by the throat and he's like, ah, and she's like, ah, help. And Gohan's like, I'll fucking kill you. And he find, you know, he's finally like, all right, I'm here to party. I'm here to fight. Um, but uh, take it from there, David. Like, what happens with the Cell Max gets unleashed, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Cell Max gets unleashed. He's this big, scary creature. He starts wrecking shop on everybody. 
Um, <clears throat> and they're trying out different strategies. They find out very quickly that, that the top of his head is the weak point uh, because it cracks, like we mentioned earlier. So everybody's trying to focus their energy on destroying Cell Max through the top of his head. Gamma 2 sacrifices himself, flies up into the stratosphere, comes back down to Earth as this big torpedo bomb thing, uh, and does some damage, but not enough. He cuts off his uh, arm. He like blows his arm off. Yeah, blows his arm off and 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 you know, weakens him for sure. Um, and then uh Piccolo basically becomes orange piccolo again but also like he's reminded this is what one thing that i loved about this movie they're like remember you can go big and he's like oh yeah it's been so long since i did that i actually forgot that i could do that like the idea of a superhero (laughs) forgetting that they had a power he's like oh fuck that's right i can do that it it kind of makes it canon all the other times they forgot shit that could have helped to move along the plot exactly right yeah it's a, it's a fail-safe device it's like yeah i mean i forget that i can do shit all the time so it makes sense that piccolo would have forgotten in this instance so he becomes really big but that does not increase his strength right he's still just as strong as regular orange piccolo he's just bigger so then he's uh fighting it one-on-one uh he's got his uh kind of jelly arms wrapped around it like mr fantastic style you know uh and he's holding yeah. it in place and krillin and go tanks and everybody's hitting it with everything that they've got uh because gohan is basically like he's he's trying to power up so gohan's over on a rock somewhere being like come on come on come on and then uh basically piccolo ends up getting his ass whipped so bad that it's you know it's one of those like is he dead but of course no like he's not dead but like seeing piccolo's body get just you know, manhandled by this creature, powers Gohan up into white hair, super, super Saiyan mode. And he, uh, he puts a energy blast through cells, uh, weak point on his head that like blasts off into space. And he, uh, you know, he becomes the most, the most powerful being on earth after that. Well, sure. That's what I like to hear. Mm -hmm. It was, it was very satisfying. It was a good fight satisfying is a good is good description of a dragon ball you know property Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm glad i'm Mm -hmm. glad they got a good w under their belts you know i'm saying i hope that inspires future releases you know big money you know elden ring biggest game of all time this year and dragon ball hopefully biggest movie it's like let's let's get let's get the japanese in here to clean all this shit up (laughs) show show them how it's done let's put a pin in there boys have the uh, have the Japanese artistically revenge bomb America. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. I'm also here for it because it's good shit. Well, that will wrap up this episode. Kawasaki, Kelby, thanks, fellas. Absolutely. Always. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. <laughs>